Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. We have a very special topic today, and that is creating a culture of evangelism in your local church. And we also have a very special guest, Dr. Carlton Bird, who's the Speaker Director of Breath of Life Ministries, as well as being Senior Pastor of the Church at Oakwood University. Carlton, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Anthony. Oh, now this is a big topic we're exploring and beginning today. Yes. Creating that culture of evangelism. Yes. Where do you like to start? Where does it all begin? Well, I like to share um, my congregation on my installation as pastor that I'll have a meeting with the church body, the church board, the elders, not necessarily in that order. Right. And I seek to establish the primacy of evangelism and remind them this is why we're here. Uh, this is why the church exists. If we talk about a purpose for the church, the purpose for the church is evangelism. That's seeing men and women, boys and girls, accepting Jesus Christ as their personal savior. And then not only that, but allowing and seeing them grow in the maturation of Christ, where they become disciples okay. of Jesus Christ. So it's not just the initial conversion experience and counting numbers that you're talking about. This is really growing disciples. That's great. Uh, Jesus asked us, he said, told us, I should say, commissioned us in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Yeah. Uh, with that commission, uh, we are counseled and challenged to go make disciples. Baptisms are a manifestation of that disciple-making process. But I think it's important first for people to fall in love with Jesus Christ, to follow what he espoused and stood for, and then after that, they're then saying, we want to follow Christ. Yeah. We want to be his followers. And being his followers, we'll do what he says, uh, go where he wants to go. And then, as one great evangelist used to say, every convert is to be a convert maker. Yeah. And so we have that commission to go make disciples, and baptisms are a manifestation of that process. Fantastic. So you, you meet with key leaders. Yes. You, you meet with... The, the key leading group in the church, as well as the whole body of the church? That's correct. What, what, what do you do in these meetings? Well, I take them I, uh, to first, to the church manual. Right. And I'll take them there and I'll say, I, I remember pastoring one church and I was there, my first board meeting. And I said, uh, good to see you, welcome, we're glad you're here. And I said, I know many of you are wondering what is gonna be my platform or what is gonna be the thing that drives me here at this church, and it was a fairly, very large church, and I was uh, a younger pastor, mm -hmm. and um, I, had, I remember one church elder told me, I have been an elder in this church longer than you have been alive. And I just smiled, um, and I just said, okay. <laughs> but they were wondering, and they were thinking in their minds, you know, what is this young man gonna share with us? Uh, and so I told them, I said, take out your church manuals. And they all began to look around as if to say, uh, we don't have them. Yeah, we, we, yeah well, why do you think we have manuals? Like you go to the manual when there's a problem in the right, church. Right, right, right. And I said, I know you have your church manuals on you. Get your manuals, take them out, and we're going to go to the chapter on the church board and what our primary purpose is. 
as we read the church manual, we discover, and we all know, that the primary function of the church board is to foster evangelism mm -hmm. in all its phases. And so I share it with them. I said, so if you want to know what I'm going to do, we're going to foster evangelism in all its phases. So no longer will we spend time focusing on problems, but we'll deal with solutions. We'll deal with ideas on how we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with all we come in contact with, family, friends, neighbors, coworkers. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. And that's what I'm going to seek to challenge you and myself collectively for us all to do. Right. So how, how do you get ownership with the, the church board at that stage? Like, how do they buy into it? Well, you know, I discovered most persons that are on the church board, uh, they're senior adults, if you mm -hmm. will. Many uh, you have a mature uh, age, if you will. Yes. Uh, because, you know, in order to lead out in a church, you know, there must be some experience and whatnot. So the senior adults that are there, uh, their eyes light up. Because for many of them, they say, oh, this is what the church is all about. And they recall their own conversion experience. And so that's one way to get buy-in. Then for the young adults and the youth uh, that might be leaders on the church board, they just are so excited and enthusiastic to do something. So when you share evangelism and then you begin to discuss methods and ideas, they get excited. And I have found this to be one way in which they begin to take ownership, recognizing this is not the sole responsibility of the pastor, but this is all of our responsibility to go make disciples of Jesus Christ. Right. So this is what you do with the, 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 the board, the leadership group yes. of the church. What about the church body itself? Okay. With the church body itself, I then, I kind of do my homework prior uh, to the meeting or even prior to installation as the pastor. Tell us about this homework. You've okay. got me intrigued. Already. I'll do a lot of demographic studies okay. as it relates to the area as it relates to the community. Um, and then I will take those demographics and I'll comb those demographics with what has been the history of the church relative to church growth and evangelism. Okay. So I'll put together different charts, different graphs and whatnot, where I'll show uh, where we may have had peaks in our history with evangelism, but then where we've also had Valleys, And this is in the local church? Where this you... is in the local church business okay. meeting. I'll do this. Right. And what I will do is take this information to help substantiate, if you will, the primacy of evangelism. For example, I'll share, I'll just use off the top of my head. If a church in 1980 mm -hmm. had 200 members and then a church in the year 2000 had 250 members, we can say, well, in 1980, we baptized 15 people. In the year 2000, we baptized 20 people. Now, if we look at that graph, it will show an upward slope, mm -hmm. where from 1980, 15 persons were baptized. Year 2000, 20 persons were baptized. So we'll show a growth rate over that 20-year period where that slope is going up. But the reality is, our growth, yes, is there, and we are increasing our membership, but we're increasing it at a negatively accelerated rate. If our growth was 200 members in, in 1980 and 250 in 2000, and we baptized 50, 15 excuse me, persons in 1980 and 20 persons in 2000, while we baptize more, we have a greater membership. It would seem that with greater num membership numbers, 
uh, greater human resources, if we were all actively engaged in evangelism, we'd be growing at a faster rate. Yeah. So we're increasing, but we're increasing at a negatively accelerated rate. So I'll show the church these things, which will further say, okay, yes, we need to do a better job with evangelism. And while our world is very secular, the reality is we cannot abandon the Gospel Commission. Exactly, exactly. You know, Carlton, I'm interested to know what you do then with the, the worship context and, and the rest of the church. You've described what happens in the, the leadership group or the church board, a business meeting where the, the church gathers for a, a formal meeting. But the, what happens in the worship can be very significant as well. That's so true. Why don't we do that okay. right after this break? Sure. We'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is creating a culture of evangelism in your local church. And this is part one of a, of a series. Our special guest is Dr. Carlton Bird. Now, Carlton, one of the important details of creating that culture is selecting key leaders within a, a congregation. That's correct. Tell us about that. Okay, so after we would have established amongst the elders, the church board, and the church body, it is important now that we engage individuals who have bought into this. Individuals who are saying now with whatever ministry uh, they're engaged in at the church that they have bought into the concept of evangelism first and being very intentional about that. I've noticed in my pastoral experience that a lot of times during the church election process, specifically the nominating committee, we get a lot of attention, we give a lot of um, time, if you will, and energy to the selection of persons within the administrative ranks of the church. Mm -hmm. For example, to be more specific, uh, we will spend a good time in selecting our elders or our first elder, uh, a good amount of time in selecting our clerks, our treasurers, and we should. Uh, great attention should be given to the election of these persons. But I've also found that when we get down to the service ministries, uh, the ushers, uh, the greeters, the hospitality persons, um, oftentimes I've observed where individuals say, well, John Doe couldn't be an elder, so we'll make John Doe uh, the head usher. Yeah. Well, John Doe is not gifted. His spiritual giftedness does not rest in being an usher. John Doe may not like people, but because we want to get John Doe involved and John Doe couldn't be an elder, we'll make him the head usher. Because Jane Doe could not be the church clerk, uh, we'll make her the head greeter, but she's not a friendly person. She's not an extrovert, but she's an introvert. Uh, because Sally Doe could not be the church treasurer, we'll make her then over the hospitality. Or Sam Doe couldn't be the treasurer, we'll make Sam Doe over the hospitality. And Sam Doe or uh, he, Sally Doe, they can't cook. Yeah. And so yeah. We, we put them in these capacities to serve, but it's not their giftedness. So I think that if we're going to be consistent with the evangelistic culture and keeping that and creating that in our church, it is necessary that after we establish the primacy of evangelism, that we then understand the importance of many of the persons we select to be officers 
in these service ministries. Uh, we cannot fall prey to the temptation, well, let's just put them anywhere. Yeah. That's a disservice to them, a disservice to the church, and a disservice to our, our members. Mm. And so when we have everyone on board taking ownership evangelism, when we have individuals on board who are in their giftedness to serve, and we're very intentional about the service ministries, just as we are about the administrative ministries, we're then able to have a mindset of what I've called, and I didn't uh, originate this term, but seeker sensitivity, where by that we mean everyone who shows up on the church property. We are seeking them. Mm -hmm. They're seeking uh, something, but we're seeking out after them as well. Uh, so that way we have the mindset that we don't seek to be friendly solely at 11 o'clock at worship. We don't seek to be friendly solely at 9.15 a.m. if that's when Sabbath school begins. We are seeking to be friendly and seeker sensitive the moment they drive up on the parking lot. Yeah. That's when we ought to begin our intentional uh, seeker sensitivity, friendship, engagement, the moment they drive up and it should end after they are gone. A lot of times I think that we don't understand that the person who may be the parking attendant, the person who may be the deacon out in the parking lot when an individual drives up on the property, their role is as critical as that elder who announces the morning hymn. You're ex absolutely right because, you know, in my experience I've noticed that people remember longer how they're treated. Correct. They remember that better than what they hear, what they see. They'll remember if they've been treated with kindness, respect, love. Correct. You're onto something here. Yes, it's, it's very important. And, and you have to be intentional about it. I have discovered that you can have differing definitions and differing expectations of friendly. Yeah. You have differing uh, definitions and differing expectations of what customer service is. So it's very important that uh, we are intentional about the administrative as well as the service ministry. In fact, I would dare to suggest, Anthony, that um, when a visitor comes to your church, they're not going to remember uh, who the elder was. They, they, they probably won't even know who the treasurer is. Yeah. But they will remember that parking attendant. Yeah. They'll remember that greeter. They will remember that usher. So in addition to the spoken word, the sung word, they're going to remember how they were treated. And so therefore, it's very, very critical that we understand the importance of that. Exactly. So you're prioritizing the selection of leaders based on spiritual gifts, awareness, and their openness to being a, a, a tool in God's hand to, to reach and to serve others. That's correct. We have to make sure that with every ministry, with every department, a church leader, if our primary function is evangelism, then the Sabbath school superintendent, the personal ministries leader, youth ministries, all these different ministries, usher ministry, greeter ministry, must understand their role is to foster evangelism. Yeah. That, that's their role. Because there, there is an atmosphere that can come within a congregation. That's correct. Which is, which is helpful and conducive to reaching out, or which unfortunately can be quite the opposite. So tell us a little about this atmosphere. You're talking about the selection of leaders. What else can go to build that atmosphere? Of it, It's very interesting. Um, 
one thing I did do, we're talking about best practices. Mm -hmm. uh, I pastored in a certain city and I challenged my church board because I recognized that my definition of friendliness and secret sensitivity and customer service could be different from theirs. And what I did was I, I shared with my board, I said, we're gonna have board meeting on a Sunday mm -hmm. and we're gonna go to a Christian church here in the city. Not a Seventh-day Adventist church, but a Christian church. And they began to look at me with big eyes and I said, listen, <laughs> I'm not preaching heresy here, mm -hmm. but we're gonna go and we're gonna visit a church together. And we're gonna visit the church together and then after we have gone to the church, we're gonna come back to our church and we'll get you some food because you know if you have food, people will come. We'll have some food and we will assess and evaluate our visit. Uh, we went to this church, Christian church, and uh, we evaluated uh, the entire experience. Uh, and our people, there's a very large church, mm -hmm. and our church board members were just amazed. The moment they drove up, uh, there were police officers in that city uh, that were directing traffic at this large church. And, you know, uh, even the police officers, welcome, we're glad you're here. Come on in, park your car here. You know, it wasn't, don't park here or move your car. It was, it was a friendly environment. Uh, our church members took note that after they parked their car, then there were greeters stationed outside the church. Welcome, we're glad you're here, come on in. Mm. Um, once we got inside the lobby, the next step from the parking lot lobby, now inside the sanctuary, the ushers were there and the ushers, welcome, we're glad you're here. There was a smile on their face. It was genuine, it was authentic. Uh, there was a song service or praise and worship service that was taking place at the time. The ushers were asking us and inviting us to come on in with their hands and motioning with their hands and singing what was being sung up front. So there was clearly centrality of purpose. They were not in opposition to what was being sung, sung excuse me, what was being done. They were in full support. So before even the word of God was spoken, we were so impressed by what transpired in the parking lot to the steps of the church and then the lobby and then on in the sanctuary. Uh, and I think this is critical uh, in allowing people to physically yeah. see yeah. what we theoretically previously spoke of. And in the sentence, how did your church members respond to this? Very well. In, in fact, in the sentence they said, We've got much work to do. <laughs> good, good. Now we want to explore what, what happens in a worship context that, okay. you, that you've done a little more. Let's do that straight after this break. Sure. Stay with us, we'll be right back with more. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion, where we're exploring a fascinating topic, how to grow a culture of evangelism in your local church. Our special guest is Dr. Carlton Bird, and this is part one of a three-part series. Carlton, when it comes to the worship itself, mm -hmm. what do you like to do with, let's begin with, with music to begin with. Well, music is a very important piece in the worship experience. Uh, I, I tell people, take music out of your worship liturgy and we'll see how fast uh, you grow. Yeah. Um, I, I read one author, he suggested that if worship is to contribute to the growth of your church, three things must be evident. N number one, your members want to be there. Mm. 
-hmm. Okay, if, if your members don't want to be there, why would anyone else? Number two, members are proud to bring guests. So if your members are not proud to bring family, friends, uh, co-workers and whatnot, you're not gonna have any visitors. Yeah. If you don't have any visitors, you're not gonna have anyone to baptize. Mm -hmm. So your members have to, number one, want to be there. Number two, they have to be proud to bring their friends or bring guests. And then number three, whoever attends must be eager to return. So your worship is critical because that's really the hub of what takes place as a collective body mm -hmm. uh, for the church. Music is critical to that. I would dare to suggest that music makes up perhaps a minimum of 40% of the worship experience. Uh, I was a guest preacher for a music appreciation uh, day at a church. Mm -hmm. And um, we got to church and we were getting ready to start the service. And uh, the beginning of the service uh, took place. And normally there's a song as we begin where we sang a cappella. I thought it strange that that was transpiring on a music appreciation day. Uh, but I figure, you know, sometimes musicians are running late, whatnot. Well, it was then the next element was the welcome. And traditionally, uh, a song is played during the welcome. You may shake your neighbor's mm -hmm. hand. There was no music. We sang a song, a cappella, but no music. It was then time for the hymn of the morning. And again, I'm waiting for a great hymn uh, with a musician and whatnot. Again, it was a cappella. So I began to wonder what's going on. Uh, this is Music Appreciation Day. And in essence, we've had no music or no uh, musicians. Uh, it got time then for the prayer uh, of the morning, the intercessory prayer. And there was no prayer song to, before we prayed, no prayer song after we prayed. And I began to scratch my head. So then it came time for the introduction of the speaker. And so the music coordinator for the church or minister of music uh, got up and said, we're grateful that Dr. Bird is here with us today. Uh, he's a lover of music and we're glad he's here. But before we introduce him, I know many of you are probably wondering, how could it be that on Music Appreciation Day, we have no music? And the minister of music then said, we have no music today on Music Appreciation Day because you all are gonna to learn to appreciate music. Oh yeah. So I said, what an interesting way <laughs> to get everyone to see the point of appreciating music by not having music on Music Appreciation Day. But a little story just to help us understand the importance of music. Um, God deserves our best. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes, you know, we have this mindset, well, the Lord will just accept what I give. The Lord will accept our best and we ought to offer God our best. If we had a special guest coming in, the President of the United States, the governor of the state, we would want to make sure everything was together. How much more should we want everything together for the King of Kings? Exactly. And the Lord of Lords. You know, Carlton, we've got a minute to go. Okay. Talk to me about preaching. How important is the preaching in, in building this culture of evangelism? It, it's very important. People want to be inspired. People want to be taught. And that is what has helped many of our people when we have our intentional evangelistic or public evangelistic campaigns the preaching, the teaching, the inspiration. I tell people all the time, I can be preaching to a crowd of 2,000, a crowd of 200, but I'm primarily preaching to two people. That's the one person who's hearing the gospel for the first time mm. and the other individual who may be hearing the gospel for the last time. Wow. 
So preaching is critical. You've got to reach the hearts of the hearers. Do your part and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Exactly. exactly. Paul calls it the foolishness exactly. of preaching. Exactly. Thank you so much. This is the first in our series of creating a culture of evangelism in a local church. Thanks so much for joining us. And we want to thank you for joining us too on Ministry in Motion. Visit us on our website, ministryinmotion.tv, and there you'll find a vast array of resources. But until next time, may God richly bless you, and bye for now.